When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on all things silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby. A Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider Nation. Let's go and welcome to Just Pod Baby, the week five recap show coming at you. Part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, brought to you by SB Nation. Uh, just a quick announcement before we uh, get things going here. With the bye week coming up, I do want to get a mailbag show out to you guys next week. So please get those questions into me. Go to justpodbaby.com, click on the contact tab, which is located at the top of the homepage, and uh, send me a message. You know, that goes directly to my email. Uh, include your name, location in the email, as well as your question, and I will read your question on air, and I will discuss it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So please, Raider Nation, this is your chance to get involved with the show. You can also reach me on Twitter, uh, at egrote 5 and you can send me a direct message there, and I will um, be happy to accept your question that way as well. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit brief because I got tied up, you know, doing some work related things today. So I just didn't have the time to dedicate to the show, but we do have a guest. We will be joined by Logan Reaver, who is a sports anchor for News 8 Now in Las Vegas. And, uh, he was out there in Kansas city, uh, for the game on Monday night. So we're going to be happy to have him here and and joining us and, and get some of his takeaways, uh, from the game last night. It was an absolute heartbreaker uh, for the Raiders, and and that's becoming an all-too-common feeling right now for this team this year. Um, You know, there there was some positives uh, from this game. The Raiders did surprise many, and and they played well in in spurts and in parts and made it a competitive game right until the end, but eventually they did fall 30-29 to uh, to the Chiefs. Uh, There's a lot to get into. Like I said, we're going to be short on time this week, so I do want to focus on a couple of uh, topics from the game. And we'll discuss those, and, and then we'll we'll get to our guest there in, in segment two. Um, I, I do want to start with some positives. I want to break down a couple individual performances quickly. I want to start with um, I want to start with Josh Jacobs and his in his performance. Obviously, he was a star in the game for the Raiders. Broke his career high from last week and set a new one this past week: 154 yards on 21 carries. That's 7.3 yards per carry um, with a touchdown as well. He is the number four. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, he's. I believe he's fourth now in the league in, in rushing yards. And he also added five catches for 39 yards. And you could argue 
that he is the, the Raiders' offensive MVP right now. You know, he has carried the offense, in my opinion, to this point. He has played as well as any running back in the league right now. And I think without him, I think the Raiders are 0-5. I don't think they win that game last week against Denver without um, without Josh Jacobs. And it looks like he may have injured himself late in the game. I think it was a shoulder. So we will have to see if that develops into anything of concern uh, throughout the bye week. I also want to give credit to Chandler Jones. I told you that I will critique players when I feel uh, it needs to be done, whether that's positively or negatively. And I and I, I think he deserves some, some positive praise after his game last night, after my rant last week. He stepped up and made some plays in the game. Uh, he didn't get a sack, but he definitely was involved, made his presence felt out there, and actually made some plays that show up in the box score, including four pressures. And so I think my pep talk helped him last week, or this week, I should say, Max Crosby, you know, what else can we say about him? It's almost like expected from him at this point. He was excellent. Again, two more sacks. He's now tied for the NFL lead with six. And there's no debate. He should be the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Without him, uh, this defense would be completely lost. The other uh, player that I wanted to talk to, not so much uh, positive praise, but Darren Waller. I mean, what is going on with this guy now, okay? He left the game after six plays. I'm very concerned with him. He was already off to a pretty bad start to the season, dealing with some drops. Uh, him and Derek Carr just not on the same page. The chemistry seems to be a little bit off, and now he's hurt. You know, for how long? We don't know. I haven't had a chance to listen to any of the press conferences from today. Um, I, I thought that his absence was definitely a factor in the game, and it's it's frustrating. It is very frustrating to have all of these weapons that the Raiders have, but they just cannot seem to get them all out there on the field together. I thought yesterday was the first time we'd get to see Renfro. Well, not the first time, but the first time in a couple weeks that we'd get to see Renfro, Adams, and Waller out there together. Not the case. And um, I also do want to address something else out there that you know I've been seeing a lot on Twitter, and I and I told I have to totally disagree with those of you out there saying that. Derek, uh, Derek, Derek Waller, <laughs> Darren Waller is now showing his his true colors. You know, after getting that contract extension, I, I'm not buying that. I mean, come on, guys. You know, these NFL players, they're competitors. Okay, they want to win football games. This they put a lot of time and energy and effort. You know, during the week. Have you ever gotten the impression from Darren Waller since he has been with the Raiders that he isn't a hard worker? that he isn't all about the grind and the process. I mean, you you guys, some of you guys act as if he wasn't already a multi-millionaire before he signed the contract extension. I mean, the guy was filthy rich after his, his first contract. So, you know, I, I can't sit here and say that I, I think the money has changed him. You know, it, it's made him decide to say, you know, the heck with it. I'm not going to play hurt and those types of things. I mean, I believe he's hurt. When, when a guy says he's hurt, he's hurt. How bad is he hurt? You know, we don't know that. Could he have maybe toughed it out last night? It's possible. But I've never been the kind of guy to question the heart and desire of a player. Uh, I didn't do it with Trent Brown. Uh, I know a lot of people out there were. Um, and I'm not going to do it with Darren Waller. So no doubt they, they need him back at full strength if there is any hope uh, of this, you know, season getting turned around for the Raiders. They're going to need him on offense for sure. Uh, just some quick overall thoughts um, for the, from, from the game. You know, I, I thought it was 
simple. Again, it was a lot of what we've been seeing. They started out the game well, uh, as about as well as you could have hoped for. We, we saw complimentary football. Offense was finishing drives with touchdowns. Defense getting stops and forcing punts. They actually made Mahomes and the Chiefs look human for a change. That's not often you see that. They built that 17-0 lead. Um, but as you all know, things changed dramatically, and, and the Raiders were not able to you know, to finish, which has been a ongoing problem for the Raiders. You knew, we all knew at some point the Chiefs would make it interesting, and that's exactly what they did. I actually tweeted out there when the Raiders were up 17-0 that the pessimist in me um, was not going to let my guard down, <laughs> and and for good reason, right? I mean, we saw what happened. The defense struggled to get stops really from about the nine-minute mark in the second quarter until 427 left uh, in the game. So they played a good first quarter, a good first quarter and a half, I'll say. I'll give them that. But they absolutely had no answer for Travis Kelsey in the red zone. And I want you to go back and watch all four of his touchdowns. And I was complaining about it last night during the game. He was getting free release after free release after free release on all four of his touchdowns. Not a hand was put on him. And he was not only did he catch the touchdowns, he was wide open at times. And they talked about it on the broadcast. You know, Troy Aikman kept saying, you know, I don't know what's going on here. And, and I don't know what's going on either. How could you allow Travis Kelsey to get so wide open when you know he is going to be target number one in that situation? So I'm a little bit down on the defense today. I know that Kansas City offense is tough. I know Patrick Mahomes is an all-world quarterback. I get all that. But Patrick Graham, you got to be better than that. I mean, you got to put your players in better situations, and you got to have a much better plan to deal with the best tight end in football inside the red zone. So that's my take on the defense and a little bit overall. Um, I do want to, you know, shift now our attention to you know, the issue that was the talk of the game last night, it continues to be the talk today, and I'm sure it'll be the talk tomorrow and the rest of the week, and that was the officiating that we saw in the game. Um, I want to go right to the roughing the passer call that occurred with a minute and 13 seconds to go uh, in the first half. I tweeted it out last night. I thought it was a horrible call, and I understand the rule. I heard the referee's statement after the game supporting his reasoning for the call, but to me... Um, Number one, it's a dumb rule. I mean, it needs to be changed. Clearly, the NFL has a problem on their hands based on what we saw in the Atlanta and Tampa Bay game with Tom Brady and now what we saw with Chris Jones and Derek Carr. What else is Chris Jones supposed to do in that play? What is he supposed to do? Not fall on Derek Carr? I mean, it just makes no sense to me. Um, But the moment that call was made, you, you instantly felt a change in momentum the crowd got into it it woke the Kansas City offense up and you know it gave those players a little bit more of a purpose and and inspired them a little bit more and and they were able to add the field goal late in the second quarter which I think helped carry some momentum for them into the second half and um you know this may sound strange to some of you out there but I just wonder if things would have been different you know, maybe if it was just rule the sack fumble, and and I say that because if you listen to to Silver and Black today, uh, their post game show with Scott Cobranson and Mo Mo and Mo Mo said it really well. Um, he said that 
you know, we should all be hoping for the referees to get the calls right in these games so that they aren't thinking about makeup calls throughout the game to try to balance things out. And yes, you may be sitting there saying makeup calls. Yes, that happens many, many times. And I believe that is what we saw happen last night is that those referees realized they made a mistake earlier in the game and they had to try to make that up. Poison, uh, point in case, the defensive holding call on Malcolm Kuntz that negated the missed field goal with 9.47 to go when it was 24-23 to 23 Kansas City. That extended the Chiefs' drive, which allowed them to take a seven-point lead uh, on Travis Kelsey's fourth touchdown of the game. You know How often can you sit there and say you've seen a defensive holding call in that situation? Never is probably the correct answer. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. That call was probably worse than the roughing the passer call in Carr. I mean, it was it was just, you don't make that call. I mean, that, that type of thing probably happens all the time. The fact that they actually made that call is is ludicrous. Now, they were both bad calls. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just wonder that, you know, if the first one had not been made, does the second one even happen? That That's, that's what I wonder. Um, the other thing I want to point out about the calls uh, was that, the roughing the passer call in particular, you know, at the time, even though the call went in the Raiders' favor, when you look back on the, you know, the the whole picture of the game, it actually hurt the Raiders in the game. It hurt the Raiders in the game because, as I said, it woke up the crowd, it gave the Chiefs some momentum. So, you know, that, that was definitely a turning point in the game. Um, the Devontae Adams catch, I wanted to point that out as well, that was reversed. That's another ongoing problem in the NFL. Like, we still don't know what a catch is in the NFL. Like, when you're watching the game as a fan, you don't know what a catch is anymore. I thought we used, you know, I thought they fixed that, but apparently they didn't. I mean, literally the ball cannot move an inch once it's in your possession. If there's any any sort of bounce or if, if one hand comes off the ball in any way, regardless, you know, if it actually touches the ground or not, you know, they, they say it's not a catch. Uh, when you watch the play with your eyes in real time, it looks absolutely like a catch. And then you get these slow motion replays and you see, you know, one hand in contact with the ball, the other hand slightly comes off the ball. I mean, it, it's so hard to decipher what is a catch. I mean, it's just a dumb rule. Again, it, it's a dumb rule. They overthink it, much like the roughing the passer call. It, the NFL needs to clean some of these things up in their rule book in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, I've never been the kind of guy that's going to blame the outcome of a game on the refs. I just, I, I refuse to do it. I'm not a conspiracy guy. Um, you know, the team should never allow it to get to a point where they are um, allowing the referees and their calls to determine the outcome of a game. And, and you know, the Raiders had opportunities. They had a lead, a 17 nothing lead. They had opportunities to to uh, stop the Chiefs, they didn't. They had opportunities to score more points, and they didn't. So, you know, at the end of the day, to me, it's up to the players to determine the outcome uh, of the game. So that is uh, some of my quick takeaways from the game. I, mean, I am going to step aside here for a quick break, and when I return, we will uh, go out to the phone lines and we'll join our guest, Logan Reaver, uh, who was there in Kansas City last night. He's a sports anchor for News 8 Now in Las Vegas. You don't want to miss that conversation. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. 
We go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our guest this week here on the recap show, the week five recap show. We're chatting with sports anchor Logan Reaver from 8 News Now in Las Vegas, and he was there in Kansas City on Monday night. In fact, he's still in Kansas City as he is awaiting his flight back home. So we do thank him for the time and for giving us a few minutes here uh, to help us break down this game and discuss what happened at Arrowhead Stadium last night. And, and Logan, you know, it was a heartbreaking loss for the Raiders, and we, were, we will get into some of the things that went on in this game. But I want to start it off on a positive note here. I want to first talk about Josh Jacobs. He was ex- excellent again this week, 154 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown. And although it came in a losing effort, uh, could you talk to us about how important – uh, his performance was uh, to the success of the offense last night, and not only last night, but going forward for this Raiders team. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you chose to, to focus on the positive because I think I think we're getting a, a lot of things lost in translation with you know being one and four and all this stuff. There's still been a lot of good that has come uh, from this start. When it comes to Josh Jacobs, I mean, I, I really I want to say two or three weeks ago. At first, you know, last week against the Broncos, we were chalking it up to the Darth Vader socks and you know just having this sort of mojo going, but he's just running with a different attitude right now. Like there was times yesterday because we now go back to back-to-back weeks where he's put up career highs, you know, in two straight appearances. Like that's insane. And it's just the style in which he's running feels different. Like there was people talking about who hurt Josh Jacobs yesterday, you know, like emotionally, like he was running with that sort of just demeanor and absolute, you know, killer instinct. And um, when, when he gets going, he's as tough as it is to stop with anybody else in the league. Um, and I mean, obviously, we're probably going to get back into some of the, the criticisms of the game as well. And, and really, we're t- it goes with the positives, too, because you wonder, did Josh Jacobs get enough carries? And this is a guy that already had career highs and all of this stuff. So uh, when, when you when you want to ride him, you got to keep riding him. And I think there were times in the second half that, you know, he was itching for the ball, especially in some of those short yardage spots uh, that could have helped keep Mahomes off the field a little bit more. Um, but he was a bright spot, to say the least. And I think this is something that's not going to stop as we keep going forward um, and this team gets into the soft part of their schedule. Yeah, he's really responded well so far this season to not getting that fifth-year extension. And, and, you know, he's really going to make it tough on this Raiders uh, brass here to, uh, you know, if he should keep this current track and stay healthy, he's going to make it hard on them to make that decision on whether they should, you know, fork over big money to pay him. But uh, let's let's get into the defense here a little bit. What was your assessment of their performance last night? Uh, they looked pretty good early on in the game, uh, but I must admit I was a little bit uh, underwhelmed uh, with Patrick Graham, especially in the second half. I thought I, I think he deserves some of the criticism for allowing Travis Kelsey to score four red zone touchdowns. And not only did he just score the touchdowns, you know, he was wide open in some cases. Uh, uh, you know, I would have thought there would have been a little bit better plan there to defend Kelsey in, in those types of situations. What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's been the calling card, right? For, you know, before Patrick Graham and even before this, just between the red zone offense and the red zone defense. I mean, this has been the story for Raiders fans for years is just kind of the, the inefficiency on both sides of that. You know, obviously the Chiefs and Andy Reid are a team that schemes up very well in that part of the of, of the field. But at a certain point, you got to have, you know, a, a gut check moment. And there were so many times, especially in that second half, I mean, even the, the three and out to get the ball back, like that was, you know, something great to see. But you got to keep Kansas City into field goals instead of touchdowns. And, you know, sometimes Travis Kelsey was just making man amongst boys plays with missed tackles and whatnot. But I think at a certain point, you have to dial up something different. I think they came out aggressive in the first half. And obviously that defensive line was, was, was wreaking havoc on just trying to get to Patrick Mahomes. I thought Chandler Jones was really good and then sort of started 
to fade away as the game went along. And Max Crosby is, I mean, as good as any defensive player in the league right now. He should probably be the front runner for defensive player of the year, if we're being honest, especially based off the stats. But, you know, I think fatigue definitely weighs in. But I think mindset, because I think a lot of defensive coordinators, when Mahomes gets going, they're so fearful of what to call and being aggressive that they just kind of lay back and sit back. And I sort of felt that at a lot of moments in the second half, and they really couldn't stop the freight train. And uh, I, I think that they were afraid to get a little bit bold. And then you, you almost wonder on the opposite side, we're talking about Josh McDaniels getting too bold, right? With going for two points and going for the win there. So I think that's really been the story of the season up until this point is, is, is when the offense is rolling, the defense isn't going. And, and when the defense isn't going, the offense isn't going. And sometimes that even translates into the coordinators and their sort of mindset towards the game. Um, you know, it's definitely a learning experience, but this team really can't afford uh, to have too many learning experiences in, in, in short order to grow. They, they need the wins now, and, and something needs to change here going forward for Patrick Graham uh, in terms of just finding not just a rhythm with play calling, but finding this sort of brand for this defense. Logan Reaver is our guest this week on the, the recap show, sports anchor for News 8 Now in Las Vegas. And be sure to give Logan a follow at Twitter or on Twitter at Logan Reaver. So you mentioned Josh McDaniels maybe being a little too aggressive. Let's go ahead and dive right into that now. You know, I've been pretty open with my criticism of McDaniels um, up until this point. You know, I, I think he's definitely responsible. He's definitely part of the problem for the, the slow start to the season. I, I thought early on in the game, he was pushing all the right buttons. You know, he went for it on fourth down in the first quarter, which resulted in that 58-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. But I, I do want to get a little bit more of your take and your opinion on his decision to go for the two-point conversion rather than just go for the tie. Now, at the time, now I'm, I'm not just saying this in hindsight. I actually tweeted it out there, so so it's out there for everyone to see. I would have liked to see him take the tie there, take the extra point, and, and make Casey go down the field and try to score to win the game. But what is your position on that call that he made there? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that there were so many factors that went into that. I think that the timing of the game is what kind of boggles my mind too. It's because even if you get the two-pointer, you go up by one, and Patrick Mahomes is on the other side, and he's obviously the dude needs 13 seconds, right, to go down and get a field goal, as we saw in the playoffs last year. So the timing of it all was one thing. But the thing that is really interesting is that their kicker had missed such easy kicks early in the game. So even if you go for the tie, it's no guarantee that KC gets the three on the other end, which is what they would have been playing for. So you get down to that final drive and you're not down by one, but you're playing for overtime at the very least. I just, you see week in and week out, all of these teams, Brandon Stanley did it again this weekend in Cleveland. They just leave the easy money on the table. And I understand there's analytics and numbers for why, but you just don't get it there's so many situations where you end up losing the game as a result. Now Staley ended up benefiting from a missed field goal that probably, you know, Cleveland probably should have won that game over the Chargers, but that's just another example. And it happens time and time again. So I think these guys get so focused on the analytics side where they don't even have their own decision-making coming into play with it. Um, we've seen a lot of teams reference their analytics departments as the reason why they ended up going for it. Um, but at the end of the day, Josh McDaniels, <laughs> you got to go, you don't know the rhythm of the game too, that Casey goes ahead and they take all this momentum take the tie and try to get that back in your favor because once KC gets momentum, like they did on that two point stop, they usually don't let it go for the rest of the night. Uh, and you kind of saw it there. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I think sometimes the analytics part of the game gets a little bit too, uh, weighed too much when in, in some of these decisions. So, um, anyhow, you know, let's move on to our next topic, the officiating that obviously was a major talking point, 
uh, during the game as well as all day long today, um, not only amongst Raider fans, but, you know, NFL fans uh, all around talking about, you know, these these calls that are being made in in, in this game. And I, I think we saw a couple last night that played a major role in, in the game. Both teams benefited from con- some controversial calls. Let's first start with the roughing the passer. I believe that was a major turning point in the game. While the call went the Raiders' way and favored the Raiders, I think that in the grand scheme of things, it ended up hurting the Raiders more than helping them because it, it not only woke up the, the crowd Definitely. in Arrowhead, but I think it inspired the Chiefs players a little bit. Now, you were there. You could probably talk to this a lot better than I can watching it from TV. What's your take on that? Oh, it was insane. It was it was palpable. The it, Not that Arrowhead was asleep. They're never a crowd that's asleep for the lack of, you know, that's, that's just not, you can't define them as that. But they weren't as full Arrowhead, loudest stadium, you know, in the NFL as they brand themselves as for that entire up until that point. And then that call happens, and it was it was evident in every single play, let alone every call. You could even tell in the inflection of the head ref's voice whenever he was making a call from that point. He was almost terrified to talk because of all of the backlash that had come after that call. So it, it was definitely a demeanor thing. And even talking with Max Crosby after the game in the locker room um, and, you know, down on the field, he, he was saying that he loves being in those environments. But when we asked if what he thought about the roughing the passer call, he even smiled because he knew that it had an effect. And Josh Jacobs referenced the, the call from, from Tom Brady this past weekend with Brady Jarrett and, and how that's kind of the letter of the law. So, you know, they were saying all the right things, but they knew they knew that it sort of turned the tides of the game um, in something that usually would be in their favor. And even, you know, just penalties wise, I want to say that there was eight or nine, one or two that the, uh, they ended up picking up because the, the chiefs declined the penalties. But I think the refs threw nine uh, flags after that point on the Raiders. And obviously the Raiders have been a penalized team, but I think it was only four up until that point in the game when the roughing the passer call happened. So I mean, there was a lot of make-even calls. You could say the defensive holding on the field goal was definitely that because you literally never see that called in the league in general. <laughs> I've never seen that in a football game called. A lot of people have referenced that it happened to the Raiders a number of years ago as the last time it was called. Uh, but I've personally never seen it in a game that I've watched. So the fact that a referee would not just be on the lookout for that but actually make that call is is kind of beyond me because – we always talk about there's there's penalties on every play, right? Like they're for the most part, there's an offensive lineman that's usually holding somebody on every play, but they don't always call it. In that case, a pretty unnecessary situation, let alone in that moment with you know that much time to go in that spot. Uh, it you, there's really few other rationales for why it was called besides tying it back to that originally roughing the passer. So it it very much it very much changed the outlook of the game and and kind of the juice that was in the building from that moment on. Yeah, I agree with you 100% again. <laughs> Makeup call. That was that was definitely what I I think we saw especially on the, the Malcolm Kuntz uh, holding call. You know, these referees are human just like you and I are and and they they understand that, you know, they might have missed one earlier in the game and and they want to try to balance things out. Uh, I know you got a flight to catch here, Logan, so I just got one more here for you before I let you run. Um, I want to look ahead quickly here. Uh, the Raiders enter the bye week at 1-4, and four, yet there's still a lot of people out there whose, whose opinion that I, I value still feel pretty confident that the Raiders can, can make a run and, and still make things interesting. I know the schedule appears to be a bit more manageable here, and, and there's still lots of football to play. Do you still see a path for the Raiders to at least make some noise here in the AFC? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's 
what's amazing too is that you look around the rest of the league, and I think Tom Brady had the quote going into last week. There's a lot of bad football, is I believe the direct quote of what he said, and it's true. You look at all the records of the teams in the AFC right now. I think there's seven teams that are over 500, and one of those teams is the Jets. <laughs> so I mean, like you know, not to completely dump all over the Jets, but it, it kind of goes to show what the actual landscape of the league is right now. And the next six opponents for the Raiders are teams that are 500 or under 500. And what I'm seeing actually a lot of similarities to last year. So uh, before I got here to Vegas, I was covering the Eagles out in Pennsylvania um, and they got off to a two and five star. And there was actually a very similar vibe that I'm sensing right now to what that fan base was going through and sort of, you know, not everybody was writing them off, but they didn't really see the, the tangible results to have confidence, but they got a very soft part of their schedule. They ended up beating seven of their next nine opponents, all of which were not playoff teams, not even remotely in the playoff picture, but that's what you do. And that's what good teams do is that they beat up on the soft part of their schedule. Now, do we officially know if the Raiders are a good, good team based on the first five weeks? I guess we don't because of all these one score losses, but if we're going based on the fact that they could be that team, they should win the majority of these next six weeks, these next six matchups. And then if they do that and if they're over 500 by a game, maybe even two heading into that tough end of the year stretch where they're playing more division foes and, and even the defending champs and the, the Rams and, and all of those matchups, I, I don't hate where they're at actually. I mean, obviously there was a lot that went into last night's game just that was so emotionally draining and you could see it in the locker room. I think the bye actually comes at the perfect time for this crew based on last night's result. They need to kind of not just get away for a week. They need to get away from football, I believe. Um, and, and all of the things that go along with it. And I think that you get a nice, easy spot with the Texans to sort of immerse yourself back in. But if you're looking at week nine and week 10 and you're hovering around 500 in today's NFL, where, you know, being 500 or a game above is, is you know, very much in the playoff picture, I don't think there's that much reason to be concerned. Now, if they go lose against Houston or something like that, obviously, you know, it's code red and whatnot. But I actually see this kind of playing out similarly uh, to a team like the Eagles last year where confidence was low. They get a couple wins against some bad teams, and just like that, they become hot, and then they sneak into the playoffs. So do we know if the Raiders sneak into the playoffs? There's a lot that's yet to be seen on that front. But, you know, I would not set sail. I think wait for a couple of these matchups in the next couple of weeks, um, and then we, we could be singing a different song uh, when it comes to the outlook of this team. Yeah, yeah. It does feel weird to, to talk about a team, you know, still have confidence in a team that currently holds the number one pick in the draft. But that 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 is that is the case right now. I mean, the <laughs> roster is still pretty good and, you know, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah. So, Logan, we, we thank you so much for the time. Uh, I, I know that you were, you know, Ubering on, in the way I know during the call and now you're probably <laughs> at the airport. But we appreciate the time and, and have a slave, uh, safe flight back to Las Vegas. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. All right, there he goes, Logan Reaver. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Logan Reaver, and we want to thank him for hopping on with us as he's just about to hop on that flight. <laughs> so we appreciate you uh, squeezing us in there, Logan. Uh, all right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's recap show. Uh, again, I'll probably you probably will not hear from me um, later this week. I'll probably take this uh, next couple of days off. But as I said, I'm going to get a, a mailbag show out to you probably middle of next week so uh, or early next week, I should say. So be on the lookout for that, and please get me those questions. Uh, send them to me through the contact page over at JustPodBaby.com, and also you can reach me on Twitter, DM me at egroat 5 All right, everybody, I hope everyone has a, a good rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, you'll hear from me next week. As always, take care, everybody.
and just win, baby.